Blog Talk Radio. amazing. I'm usually here with my co-host, Yvonne Mason, but she's unavailable tonight, so I'm flying solo for the first time. On this program, we talk about, oh, all aspects of my family's frontier lifestyle in the modern-day West. Things like gardening and wild animal encounters and nosy bears, cougars. Oh, and remind me to tell you about our pushy elk. We've had quite an experience with him the last couple of weeks. I usually give an update on our horses, and we discuss topics about the Old West. And also, I answer any questions that you may have. This is a call-in show, so feel welcome to join in the conversation. The number is 516-387-1756. Now, tonight... I really wanted to offer a very special hello to new friends in the Netherlands. So thanks, you all, for coming west with us. So I do have a couple of questions here I wanted to start with. I am an open book, so to speak, so you can always feel free to ask me anything. Well, within reason, anyway. Um, Jerry wrote to me earlier in the week, and he's from Sweden. And he asks, how about your colleagues, other nature painters? Have you had much contact with them? And are they competitors or are they colleagues? Well, I can tell you that for the most part, I think that most artists get along pretty well. And we don't normally compete unless we're in a competition itself. It's not really a cutthroat business. And... I often like to share my own kinds of techniques and different things that I use in my artwork with others, and I have found through the years that they've done the same for me. So not a whole lot of drama here in the art business, but uh, thanks. Thanks for asking, Jerry. Well, it looks like I have a caller, so let me get them connected here. Hello, caller. Hello, Nancy. How are you? Yes, ma'am. Hi, can you tell me who's calling, please, and where you're calling from? This is James from Lakewood, Washington. Oh, hi, James. How are you doing tonight? Really good. Um, How's your new book coming along? And I have another question for you, too. I don't know if I asked this question before, but uh, when you have no power at your house, I know you have a fireplace, but how do you keep, like, your electric fences and stuff going for your horses and your animals and things like that and and also for your own, own house? Do you have a generator? Actually, we do have a generator. 
I'm I'm pretty grateful that we haven't had to use it. Uh, normally, when we have a power outage, it doesn't last too long. But gratefully, we really are prepared if we have that kind of a problem. Um, as far as the book, the new book is coming along pretty well. I am on, I believe, chapter 13. And it is the third book in the series of my Go West Young Woman series. And we're going to continue on with a lot of our stories um, that we're working. Oh, in fact, I was going to remind to, uh, to tell you all a story. And although this one will be probably featured in the book, I can give you a little sneak peek of it. Um, you probably know or have heard how bad this winter was for us. And it's been bitter cold temperatures, record-setting temperatures, and so the wildlife, I think, kind of suffered this winter and didn't get a lot to eat. But we've had this elk that has popped right over into the horse corrals, and I think I even mentioned it on the last show how he would come in and frighten the horses away. Well, it's become a habit, and we see him pop in all the time. Uh, we had to put up some more gates and try to close off the food because when he gets in there and frightens the horses away, and then they all stand in a huddle and start start discussing it and saying things like, well, you know, I, I, do you want to take him on? No, I don't. I don't want to, and I don't want to fight with him. I don't want to tangle with him. So they sit there and have a big discussion about what to do, and then eventually they just hang their heads over the fence and look at the house and, and hope we're going to come down and help out, which we do. Um, you know, we come to the rescue and, and scare him away. But, uh, yeah, there's always something going on. I've got lots of stories to share in the third book, so thanks. I'm really glad that you asked. Did you read the first two? Not all okay. the way. I've read part of them. Yes, I've read oh, okay. part of them, but not all of them. Oh, I've all been right. working on reading them. Well, good, good. So you've at least had some that you can, um, you've had you've had some of the stories that you're familiar with then. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> it's it's a wonderful. Oh, there are wonderful books. You do an awesome job. I really appreciate you writing them and sharing your life with all of us out here. It's great. Oh, thanks. That's really great. It's it's actually so nice to hear. So, did you have another question, or do you just want to? Stay on and, and chat with me while we go I'm through the rest of the I'm just going to hang on and listen. Oh, well, that's great. That's great. Um, well, let me share with you then another question that I received. Let me check my notes here. This one is actually from Kevin in the U.K. So that's kind of exciting that uh, he would send in something to me. And he writes here, Happy Wednesday, Princess Nancy. My question for your show is, you have a wonderful voice. Have you ever considered a singing career? And also, what is your favorite time of year? Well, what do you think, James? Have I ever considered a singing career? <laughs> yeah, you used to sing when you were young, and you sing really, really good. I've heard some of your songs, and you do an awesome job with it. And it's just wonderful that you do sing. I told you before, you should Write some or make some records or CDs and put them out there because I think people would buy them from you. You're a very beautiful singer. Oh well, thanks. I I know you're referring to a couple of the videos that I did on YouTube where I I just sang a little bit 
you know, before we went into the video. But I actually did used to sing professionally, and I studied voice, actually opera, from uh, two different instructors. One was from Northwestern uh, School, and the other one was actually from Juilliard. And while I couldn't afford to go to any of those schools, I did receive some private instruction from teachers that used to work there and retired from there. So I did actually consider it, and I did sing professionally for a while. I was even sort of groomed to go into opera, but to be honest, that wasn't really where my heart was. And so I finally gave it up and just did it, you know, for fun. Well, hold on here. looks like we've got another caller, so let me bring them into the conversation, and then we'll finish the rest of that question there. Hello, caller. Hey, how you doing tonight? Hi, can you tell me who's calling and where you're calling from? Yeah, this is uh, Randall Crane. I'm from Alabama. Oh, yes. Hello, Randall. How are you? I'm doing good. You doing okay tonight? I am. I'm really glad that you called in. Uh, you've been with me since my very first program, and I'm really grateful about that. Yeah, I run just a little bit late tonight. I I forgot to write your number down. I had to hunt it up. <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad that you found it. Um, let me bring another caller into the conversation, and then I'll okay. come right back to you. So just just okay. listen and enjoy. Hold on. Okay. Hello, Hello. caller. Hi, this is hello. Nancy. Who's this? <laughs> this is Charity Wolf calling. Well, hello. How are you tonight? <laughs> oh, I'm resting up. I had another fall and uh, messed up my knee again, and so I'm not able to do too much uh, but rest and keep it up, keep the ice on it and everything. I didn't want to tell you otherwise, but... I'm calling to share with you and your listeners uh, or to remind you and to tell your listeners, challenge your listeners to come up with new nicknames for you. And mine is the Montana Lighthouse because, um, as I mentioned, uh, you do reach out uh, in Brighton, so many people's days. I have personally received um, letters with uh, from the soldiers who I sent your book out to through your goodness and your generosity and overseas to help them get through their times of stress. But um, you also help people here that are either disabled or can't get out and enjoy the weather for and nature for any number of reasons by listening to your book and being part of your um, Facebook page and listening to your program. You do an awesome job and you're an incredible woman and I'm honored to know you and to have met you. That's a true blessing. And uh, so to me, you'll always be the Montana Lighthouse because you do shine so brightly for your generosity. Well, <laughs> speech will say. <laughs> uh, 
Yes, I am. Gotcha. Actually, gotcha. Oh, uh, you you really you really did. In fact, I'm going to need a tissue here in a minute. Um, Listeners, I had mentioned this uh, earlier in the month that I had in March that I had come up with a neat nickname. She has several, and uh, Montana Queen, et cetera, et cetera. And um, one night it just hit me that she's more or less like a lighthouse where you don't expect one, you know, because uh, she's not close to the ocean. I don't think she's close to any big, big lakes that uh, ships or anything on there, but she she does shine the lighthouse. You know, her light, his light through her, and um, just a light of generosity, calmness, happiness, joy, laughter, um, and uh, you've got a big fan base. So that's, listeners, that's why I, I couldn't wait. I had to go ahead and tell her that night um, because... Um, I, something was telling me she needed some boosting up of her own, which we all do. And uh, she, she, I encourage y'all to, uh, you know, encourage each other. And be uh, an example, if you can, to you know, you never know how much a smile means to somebody. Well, you know, and she, you're right, you're right about that, and. I'm really grateful that I'm really grateful that you would tell me these things because I feel like when I share my work, whether it's our experiences that we have here, you know, I often put a real hefty dose of humor in them because I like to look at life that way. But I share them all not just for entertainment, but also to kind of inspire. And if I can take you out of your life for just a little while and give you something fun or positive or uplifting to focus on, then I really feel like I've done my job. And even with, yeah, with writing or even with art, when when I start that, I usually have some type of an inspiration, you know, or a goal. And when I was growing up, I know how much books meant to me. And some of my favorite authors not only got me through some bad times, but they were my friends and they inspired me. And I used to think, oh, one day if I could, you know, I'd hold a book in my hand and think if I could someday do this. So hopefully my work will will do that for you. It'll it'll inspire you. It'll give you an idea of something maybe that you want to pursue, kind of enhancing that whole pioneer spirit, you know, that we all have, that we want to get out there and try something new and take a chance. Um, well, so you I'm really honored that... You've already got me wanting to go to Yellowstone. I've been blessed to see the Rockies and, of course, the Smokies. Uh, but I, I want to see more, and I'm hoping I will get to do that. But uh, like I said before several times, you are our eyes, and you tell, you sh- share such, so many different things so wonderfully. Uh, we can be right there, you know, and and that is a true um, blessing that you have. Uh, you have well, a way with you. words, and you're very talented, and I encourage everybody 
to get out and read the book. It's on ebook, and if you can't get to a bookstore or something else, um, it's on Kindle, Amazon, and uh, it's the books are really, really a pleasure to read. You remind me of James Harriet kind of like, and the other ones who talk about their experiences and share it, you know, and. and uh, make us laugh, make us cry. You know, we we cry with you, we laugh with you, and we we jump with joy for you. You know. So, <laughs> well, that uh, really is and that really is a true honor because he's a wonderful author, and to be compared with him is completely amazing. Um, hang on one second and let me bring another sure. caller in because I've got somebody Certainly. here. So Certainly. just yeah, just stay on the line with us. Okay. Hello, caller. This is Nancy. How are you? Hi, Brian Rogers. How you doing? Hi, I'm I'm sorry, I couldn't quite hear you. Can you speak up just a little more? Yes, this is Brian Rogers in Tacoma, Washington. How are you doing? Brian. Hi, Brian. I'm doing just well. Thanks for calling in tonight. Well, what's on Thank your you. mind? Can I answer a question for you or No, I'm just listening along. I'm uh can't stay long. I got to go to the club here to LA Fitness and get all cleaned up. And I've got surgery coming up in the morning, so I'm taking care of that. And I'm a little anxious about it, but I just wanted to tell you that the pictures and stuff that I've seen you share and stuff are just fantastic. And the videos are fantastic on YouTube. I watch them at night, and it just helps me wind down the end of the day and relax and just get in that that cabin spirit like that. It feels good. I want to thank you. Well, thanks. That is great because that's exactly what I wanted to do for you. <laughs> I really do. do Pleasure you know works. Thank you. Thank you. I actually had uh, somebody write me. It's been a while now, but it always stuck in my mind because he said that anytime he was feeling high blood pressure come on, that he would go and watch one of my sunsets videos because of the music oh, and the yeah. colors, and it would just calm him right down. So, you know, I'm really wishing you the very best of luck on your surgery coming up. And I'll be you fine. You know, if, if you need your blood pressure to come down, then just listen to one of the videos, and I hope it helps you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Brian, I'm that's really great of you to call. I'm just a little scared. Cause I'm going to be all alone, but I got my good friend James. He's, he's around. I got my. You're not going to be alone. We, we're with you in spirit. And we'll be right there beside you. That's right, Brian. So I think I think you're going to be just fine. And I'm really glad that you called in tonight and got some good wishes for your surgery tomorrow. And and that you shared some of your feelings, too, about the work and about the art and the videos and things. I really appreciate you taking a few minutes out of your time. Well, let me let me go ahead and finish. I had one other question here that I was finishing from Kevin, who's in the U.K. He's probably sound asleep right now considering the time difference, but I do want to answer his question. And it kind of ties in with some of the things we were going to talk about, too, he was wondering what my favorite time of year was. And, you know, I think in some ways that sort of depends on where I lived. When I lived in Florida, my favorite time of the year was winter. But now that I live here, 
in Montana. I can't say that. <laughs> and I can't say it's winter. I, I have to say that it's summer um, for all the reasons you would, you know, you would think. And I think that kind of makes sense because you all know how bitter cold the, the winter is, and so I'm always glad when summer rolls around. It's just a huge relief for me. <laughs> And let's see, I had another comment here from Mike in Michigan, and he wrote to tell me that he really likes the music that I play at the opening of the program. And I was really pleased to hear that, and I did want to let you all know that that music is from my book trailer for Stay West, Young Woman, and the book trailer can be found on my YouTube channel. So if you want to hear the song in its entirety, that's the place to hear it. All I did was take out a small section of it and uh, record it so that we could put it on uh, the uh, program here at the beginning of the show. Um, now, I've got something that you all are going to think is kind of funny. And Rick in Florida asked if we would do some more police blotter. Do you remember the police blotter entries that have I've talked about and, and have been in the book? Yes. Yes. Well, my husband suggested that we do something really dramatic when we talk about the police blotter, you know, like maybe maybe dragnet theme or something. <laughs> now, I don't have the music, but I'm going to give it a try. Da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. <laughs> the stories you are about to hear are true. Yes, really. <laughs> Okay, did I butcher it too badly? No. No. No? Okay. All right. Well, this is the first entry from the police blotter. And 1645, a woman came in and advised that her washer and dryer were stolen. <laughs> now, these are actual entries that are in our local newspaper. These are, are true things that people call in the police about. And I had to wonder who in the world would do that, but all I could think of was that it was someone who was trying to launder money. <laughs> oh, that was bad, I know. But I had to try. Oh, man. Okay. Now, the Don't next one <laughs> Don't give up my day job. Keep writing, Nancy. <laughs> Don't be a comedian, Nancy. You'll starve. <laughs> okay, let's try the next one. At 1827, report of a popcorn machine setting off a smoke alarm. <laughs> okay, I got nothing. If anybody's got a cute, quippy comeback... <laughs> <laughs> That's I'm I'm my ears are all open for that. I I live okay. with a bunch of well several female veterans and I'm the only one out of six of us who haven't set up set off our smoke alarm. And the reasons they give to the firefighters are very comical. But nobody's ever burnt smoke uh popcorn. They burnt toast, believe it or not. And and I'm like, Come on now <laughs> Yeah, bird toast, that'll do it, won't it? Yep. All right, I've got yep. one more here that I 
that I looked through the newspaper to find. And this one is 928, report of an accident with a vehicle in Hayfield. <laughs> now, how many car accidents do you know that actually happen in a Hayfield? Maybe they were trying to tip the cows with a car. <laughs> I don't know, but it's got to be a, a Montana thing, a here in the West thing. So I thought I thought that one was really pretty cute, too. You know, um, I don't know. Let's see. Let's see. You're calling from Alabama and Washington, Ohio. You guys are probably starting to get some kind of spring, aren't you? Yes. Yes, we want to know if you are uh, actually growing any flowers or any, any vegetables in your greenhouse yet. Have you started anything? You know, I haven't been able to start the greenhouse yet because spring really isn't here. You know, Montana's really kind of mercurial for the weather. And at times, spring is just a rumor or it's just kind of a suggestion. <laughs> you know, it, it, it doesn't really happen for a while. We, we don't get the memo. I don't really know exactly why it's that way, but, but, it, is, but it is every every year. So I'm hoping maybe next month I might be able to get some things into the greenhouse, James, but right now um, I just can't do it. We have too much snow. And the yeah, how much did, snow you still have on the ground? Oh, we've we've still got several inches on the ground. It's, it is starting to melt a little bit, you know, on the pavement and the driveway. I haven't seen my patio in almost six months, and I'm just now seeing the edge of it. Oh, my. But, it's only you know, it's only April, and Montana likes to play a lot of April Fool's jokes on you throughout the whole year. So it can snow in June. I we even had one Fourth of July where it had snow flurries. Wow! Wow! Yeah, yeah. So you just we don't have, know it's coming. We had more one year back. I think it was two thousand and nine where they predicted that we were going to get a blizzard in May, and nobody believed them. And they were predicting it and predicting it, and they were saying we could get up to 11 inches. And for us, that's unreal. And we're in the southern, southwestern tip of Ohio, and that's unreal for us to get that much, especially in May. Nobody had ever seen that much. And sure enough, it started snowing big flakes, and it snowed all day long, and... And uh, we were pretty much grounded here, and uh, nobody could believe it, so I can relate. I wanted to ask you real quick, do you do Mm -hmm. any, with the gardening, do you start your plants out inside, like have a little nursery or something where you start them from seeds in the little um, containers like I use an eggshell? Um, ground up right, eggshell. Right, right. Use your and, egg cartons. And, yeah, and, and yeah. start the babies out that way and then transplant and transplant and transplant up until where you can put them in the greenhouse. Do you do that there or are you not able to do the space? Well, actually, I've, time? I have done that. <laughs> yeah, I have done that before. Um, I won't say that I do it every year. I guess I must confess to you all I don't do that every year. But there are some years, yeah, and we have a, a window that gets a lot of nice sun 
in one of the downstairs rooms, and I start them in the in the little cartons, um, mm-hmm. and let them let them grow for a while. But the only trick with that is we have such a a change in the climate that it's hard for the plants here to get used to being inside and then suddenly go out into the cold, because oh, yeah. in, the, in May and June, you know, it's still cold here, and we still get freezes. Yeah. So I found that to be a little tricky. So a lot of times, once we get past the cold time, say maybe mid-May after Mother's Day, uh, I'll go ahead and actually start seeds in yeah. the greenhouse itself. So I've done it both ways. I don't really see an advantage either way. Our growing season is so incredibly short that we yes. don't get a whole lot as a rule. Although last year, if you saw my YouTube videos about the tomatoes, did anyone see the tomatoes? <laughs> yes, I did. You sure did. <laughs> they went completely, just unabashedly, just growing, and it was a jungle in there. And I literally had them <laughs> growing much taller than I am and getting up onto almost the rafters of the place. It was, I was stunned. <laughs> I was just stunned, and we had a great yield, and we had plenty. <coughs> excuse me, we had plenty to share. I need a cup of. Kind of like zucchinis, though. <laughs> oh yeah, they were just everywhere. They were completely everywhere. So yeah, a little we, bit of success last year or two with gardening. We, we had a um, Home Depot came in and donated two raised garden beds and uh, um, soil, topsoil and stuff, and the plants themselves, and they had like 20 volunteers out there helping this plant, and they didn't know too much about planting, and I, being an old country gal, was the only one that, (laughs) well, I I shouldn't say the only one, we had a couple of the vets that knew a little bit about how to space some plants out and stuff, but still, it, it to be a, uh, a jungle in there, and I had put fencing up because we have deer in the backyard, and um, the p- property goes back a ways. And oh, so deer were deer competing for the food? Yeah, the deer yeah. got the best part of the garden. <laughs> Even well, with the fencing, just, they figured out ways to get around it. <laughs> they always, They always do. Do you know that uh, sometimes because they eat all of my real flowers, I can't have a flower in the pot around here. You know, I, um, I always try to have yeah. flower pots in the front. And so sometimes they even try to eat the silk ones that I put in there because sometimes I just want a little color by the front door. And I'll put the silk flowers by the front door and the chipmunks and the squirrels and the deer will come in there and eat them. And they're so angry with me that they just spread them all over just to show their disapproval and how angry they are. And so I'll come out and they're just shredded all over the front porch, and I think, oh, and someone's mad at me. Oh, we have another caller, so let me welcome them in. Sure, sure, sure. Hello, caller. This is Nancy. Can you tell me who you are and where you're calling from? Hi, Nancy. It's Vicki Goodwin. I'm calling from Kentucky. Winchester, Kentucky. Oh. oh, Vicki, it's so wonderful to hear your voice. How are you tonight? I'm very good, thank you. How are you? Oh, I'm just fine. Is there something special you wanted to ask, or do you just want to join into the conversation? 
I thought I would just join in. I just wanted to see how if spring was going to show its head in uh, Montana or uh, this year. Yeah, you know, we were just kind of talking about that, and we were just—I was just explaining that it's—it's just—it's a rumor. <laughs> um, we don't know. It's—it's it's a suggestion. We're not really sure uh, when spring is going to show up, but we're getting a little bit of a taste of it today. The sun was out. And for the first time in months, I did hear some birds singing. And that really made me happy. Yeah, because I miss that quite a bit in the wintertime. And we are also still kind of adapting to the time change. I've got a really funny time change story, but are you guys having problems adapting to the time change? Personally, I'm not a fan of it. Yes, yes. Yes, they're supposed to take that out possibly. I heard about that. Yeah, I heard about that. I, you know, I noticed that um, even the wildlife, that they're on their normal rhythms and their normal schedules, and even the wildlife starts having problems adapting to when we change the time. And I've I've noticed it. I can I can see it. And honestly, I think the person that the, I said the person. I think my horses are people. <laughs> um, <laughs> The one that's it's we really all do. A, I know I I do I tend to think of them as my family members like they're just people with tails and fur and ears and stuff. But I think the one it's affecting the most is Whiskey. Now he's my 32-year-old Morgan horse, and we feed him separately because Star and Wilson, who are the other horses, they they get a little excited about his food and they tend to force him to share it with them, which isn't very nice. And they can't seem to control themselves. So we put whiskey in the round pen and that's where we feed him. So we call it his um, private dining room. And (laughs) so about, we usually feed him in the afternoons, like around, oh, maybe three o'clock or so. And then we feed him, you know, in the morning. But for his afternoon meal, now the time has changed. He goes in there an hour early. And he's standing there. You know how we have to move the clocks forward. And he's standing there and he's waiting. He's waiting in his private dining room. And he's staring at the house. And he's willing me to come down there. Because he said, you know, it yeah, is time. Yeah, he's telling me you're late. Yeah. yeah, you're late. It's time to eat. And so when we do go down there, oh, my gosh, the complaining. Boy, does he give us the what for. And he's, like, he's still on the old time schedule, and he's telling you, hey, how come you're an hour late feeding me, and I'm hungry, and my stomach's growling. Here's another one for you. How come man changes the Has he been telling you that? Because that's exactly what he says. Have you been talking to him, James? Yeah. <laughs> no, but here, here's a good one for you. How come man changes yeah. the time on a 24-hour day and thinks that they can gain an hour and make a day 25 hours when we can't? Yeah, I know, I know. I, the, the, I find the time change just very disturbing, and, and, of course, clearly it disturbs my guy. And, and then, of course, when he gets upset, then he tells me and and complains to me, and then, you know, I feel bad. And so it... Uh, it's been kind of interesting that, yeah, he's still, even yeah, though we changed effect. it a while back, he's still not on the schedule yet. He's he's still showing up. Nope. 
hour early and waiting. So we've just been going down there and feeding them anyway. Yep, that's <laughs> wonderful. Yeah, accommodate him. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't. Yeah, he, he, he didn't get <laughs> time change. He, he didn't get that memo. That's right. He didn't get it. He doesn't like it. He doesn't want it. So we I said, Native well, Americans. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. Why, why make him wait? You know, why make him wait? Yeah. <laughs> they're supposed to do away with it. I heard anyway to the to the government. I think there was some type of legislation being introduced through Florida, I believe. I don't know right. if it's going to well, go I anywhere. Th- I think it's nationwide because I've heard it in Ohio here, too. Okay, and, well, uh, I hope that they do that. Right now, I think Arizona doesn't participate. They um, don't. They don't? Okay, but I... No, I, uh, I saw them. There's I another state, Montana. but I can't say which one it is. Indi- I think it's Indiana. I think you're right. Oh, that, that yeah, might be it. Yeah, I don't think it. Indiana does it either. Yeah, that might be it. Well, I, I thought w- we would... Oh, I'm sorry. Did you want to say something? I no. stepped right on you. I, I um, was just going to say it was funny. I, I used to live in Chicago, and we'd go back and forth to Indiana because I lived in the, on the south side of Chicago for several years taking care of my foster mom. And... We used to love it because we can, if she had an appointment, we could go somewhere and come back. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and you know, we'd drive over to Indiana and be the same time that we left Chicago or vice versa. You know? <laughs> well, that's true. You know, the time change, it, it kind of can affect everything. And if you're not really paying attention, like you said, um, sometimes I get a little confused because I have friends and family there in other parts of the country. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, there's, there's a time difference. So I believe of, yeah, it started. You can move place to place and end up losing time, which is which is kind of confusing and everything. But, well, yeah, I, I did have. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry? Church and stuff. I, I believe oh, yeah. it started with the farmers so that they could get to church and stuff, but they would have an extra hour in the morning to tend to their animals and stuff and still make it church on time. But I'm not sure. I'm really not sure Is myself here? either. Um, I don't really know how I that... I think she's right on that. Oh, okay. It I was, don't really know the, why they the, the why it came about. To the farmers. But I'm, I'm ready. I, I, was I mean, the same I... Thing. Change, yeah. But change is good. We can, we can all make that... We can all make that change. You know, I was doing <laughs> some reading the other day and... I thought it might be fun. We're actually starting to run out of time, if you can believe it, but we've got a little bit. So I thought we'd have a a fun with a little bit of a subject that I was looking at. Now, I know this is just near and dear to all of your hearts. I mean, it's just so incredibly fascinating that I know you stay at night, keeps you awake at night just wondering about it, and it's frontier cooking on cattle drives of the 1800s. Mm. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So, so I was going to ask you if you'd ever gone on cattle drive, Nancy. Have I gone on one? I have not, but I have. I have seen them, and we do actually have cattle drives here in Montana. Oh yes, yes. I have been in the middle of one. Sometimes they actually close the mountain passes when they're moving the cattle, and you'll be Mm -hmm. driving in your car, and you'll see a sign, and it will say. Uh, moving Montana beef or yes. cattle drive or something. 
And sure enough, the cowboys are running up and down the highway, and sometimes the cows will get in front of your car and you have to stop, and then they have to come over, and you should see those horses work. It's amazing. And they manage to get them back onto the sides of the roads. So Montana still has modern-day cattle drives, but, you know, in, in the Old West it was really different. And what I mean by the Old West is probably it's a time period that encompasses, I'd say, after the Civil War and up to, what, the rest of the 1800s, up to about 1912. And mm-hmm. during this time, you know, thousands of pioneers came their way west in search of land and, and better lives and gold and silver, sometimes even to escape the law. But... It was quite a migration for people and cattle. But, of course, it was very different than the modern ones that we have now. You know, there was a time when the cowboys were just expected to carry absolutely everything that they needed on the cattle drive. Now, today that's easy to do. You know, you can just stick something in your backpack and and carry it for your lunch because you know you're going home in a few hours. Um but when they had to go so far, they had to have what was called the chuck wagon. Now, I don't know about you all, but when I was growing up, chuck wagon was a dog food that I gave my dachshund. <laughs> yep. Oh, I don't know. Do you remember that brand? That brand of yep. dog food? Yeah. Um, the little chuck wagon that would run across the kitchen floor. That's the one. In the commercial? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's exactly it. I remember that now. Yeah, that's exactly it. It was. I, I thought it was so fun and so inspiring. But do you know, actually, who invented the chuck wagon? Anybody know? No. No. no? See, now you'll be no. able to go to sleep at night because you will know that it was Charles Goodnight. Oh, all right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so Chuck's wagon, eh? Yeah, Charles Goodnight. Well, now, and it, now it's I can go to sleep. <laughs> now you can sleep peacefully because you finally know. The rest of the story. Yeah. <laughs> that's right, that's right. He actually invented it in uh, 1866. And he was the one that wow. created a whole prototype for the chuck wagon. He purchased an old Studebaker which was basically a army surplus type wagon and he hired a cook and the two of them actually outfitted with uh oh you know steel steel axles that you could travel on the hard terrain and boxes and shelves and things and they they actually made an entire kitchen in the wagon oh. and it was the first of its kind and of course they no one really knows if they named it chuck wagon because of Chuck or Charles, or if it was a term for food. But let Hmm. me give you a couple of things that will make you laugh, because I actually looked up Chuck Wagon etiquette. (laughs) Did you know there was etiquette and rules on the Chuck (laughs) Wagon? It's kind of fun. I can imagine. Uh, (laughs) Otherwise, you get fights all the time. Well, you know, the the general perception was that cowboys lived on beans because every time you see the Westerns on the TV, what are they eating? 
beans, beans and coffee. Yep. Biscuits. Well, they did make beans sometimes, but it really wasn't common because that's what it just took so long to cook them. And it was also hard to store, uh, you know, a whole lot of food, and beans just took too long to cook. So naturally, they had a lot of beef because they're on the, you know, they're on the trail. But um, they had all different other types of stews and soups and breads, and they actually even made made pies uh, and oh, some yeah. sweets. You'd kind of be surprised at what good bakers the uh, the cook was. You're making so, us hungry, Nancy. Oh, okay. Okay. We'll quit talking about the food, and we'll move on to the etiquette here. No. No. <laughs> now... <laughs> Nobody eats, of course, until the cook calls. You weren't allowed to hang around, and like sometimes my kids used to do when they were small and say, is dinner ready? Is, is dinner ready? Okay. Now, when the cook did call you, you had to come right away. Again, not like sometimes with my family, and I tell them dinner's ready, and they don't come, and then I call them again, and the food's getting cold, and yeah, yeah. So I, I have minute, known... Mom. If I had known about the chuck wagon etiquette, I, I could have put it in place here at the house. I should have done that. <laughs> so when you did never get, too late. <laughs> that's true. It's never too late. Um, when you get did get your food, you you didn't have to wait. You immediately got your food. You filled your plate. You ate your food, and then you moved on so that other people mm-hmm. could could come in and and keep the line going. And they really didn't talk much or have conversation. You know, they just they just ate. Don't talk to the cowboys when they're eating because they don't like that. They just want to eat their food. Mm-hmm. It was also okay to eat with your fingers. And yeah. if you're refilling the coffee cup and somebody yelled out, man, at the pot, that meant you were the one who had to serve the refills. So you didn't want to get caught at the coffee pot. <laughs> you couldn't leave your food on the plate because it was an insult to the cook. And you were never allowed to saddle a horse near the wagon or ride off because you didn't want to be blowing any kind of dust or anything into the food. Sure. You were also required <laughs> to bring firewood. If you happened to be out moving cows and you saw some decent wood that might be good for the fire, you had to bring it back. Because wow. The, uh, it, although the cook still had to look for firewood, they didn't want him, you know, spending too much time looking for firewood. They wanted him to be able to, you know, to, to cook. Um, now, I also had some cute nicknames for the cook. He went by Camp Cook, which makes sense. Okay. What about Soggy? <laughs> How would you like to nickname to be Soggy? <laughs> the other one. Camp cook. <laughs> well, Cookie, yeah, Cookie was probably a really common one that they used. Um, what about Pot Rustler? Pot Rustler. Lean Lean Skillet was actually another name that they used to call the cook. Now, this one, I would just, I don't know how I feel about this one. Old lady. 
<laughs> well, you don't have to worry about that one. <laughs> don't have to worry about that no, one? But no one will what ever call you one? old. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, I've been called a lot of things, but uh, hopefully that one won't, won't be one of them. What about Belly Teeter? Huh. How would you like to have oh, the name Belly Teeter? That that sounded like somebody that didn't didn't like their supper very well if if they called you that one. Let's see. I got another one. Hang on here. Oh now this one makes sense. How would you like to be called a biscuit roller? Oh yeah, I've heard that one. Yep. You've heard that one? Because they did. They rolled uh, biscuits. They do. They probably made good biscuits. They <laughs> they didn't have they didn't have the sun to get the bread to rise, so they made biscuits instead. And, How uh, about a dough boxer? <laughs> a dough boxer. <laughs> that was kind of funny. <laughs> dough puncher was another one. Um, yeah. Okay, let's see. I got three more. Oh, these. Oh, oh, this one's gross. <laughs> How about greasy belly? <laughs> oh. <laughs> No, what I wouldn't belly? want to call that either. Uh, Greasy belly. Uh, <laughs> or, or what about grub worm? I don't know. Oh, that's <laughs> and the last one that they call the food. Cook. Yeah, didn't like the food. How about gut robber? <laughs> <laughs> Another one that didn't like the food, probably. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I'd want to be called a gut robber. However, no, can you imagine, um, you've heard them talk about hardtack. You probably all have heard that term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. hardtack. Yeah. Do you guys know what hardtack is? Nope. Oh, yeah. Oh, you do? I can't remember I can't remember what it consists of, but it, it, it's kind of the uh, negative... Uh, Ingredients that the Indians used to make pemmican. I can't say it right, but uh, with the deer and the fruit. You're right. The venison and the fruit, but uh, <laughs> the opposite of that was hardtack. And the ships, uh, the sailors used to eat a lot. But they, uh, and that's where it started from. I think was from the sailors, and then they they would. Uh, uh, Started doing the cattle, uh, started working on the ranch and yeah. told them to eat hardtacks. Yeah, well, I actually, I actually looked up a recipe and I have a recipe for it, and I can see why oh, cool. they they used it, but it's not a favorite of the cowboys that, yeah. that they all did it's, in case they couldn't get any food, and yeah. it's actually just stone ground flour and water. Yeah. yeah. Cups of ground flour and one cup of water. So it isn't the most nutritious thing in the world. And uh, yeah. they they kept it when they needed it for emergencies, but it's not something that you would want to have all the time, which is why I can't figure out why they call the cook so many goofy names, because I would not <laughs> want the cook to be mad at me if, if my only resource was hardtack. Yeah. <laughs> Well, sometimes I know, I know oh, that, that different people had different ways of fixing hardtack, and sometimes if you if they had access to bacon from slaughtering a pig or something, they would yeah. 
put some uh, bacon grease in with the hardtack to make it more palatable and uh, or beef. They would, uh, if they had time to uh, uh, make it into yeah, uh, strips and stuff, they got the strips of real high, yeah, fine and make, mix it up. Well, I've yeah, got well, a little riddle for you. I've got a little sure. riddle for you about coffee, and then within a minute or two, I'm going to have to wrap things up pretty quick because it's hard to believe, but we're starting to run out of time. But I did want to tell you about this this coffee. So tell me, how do you know when the cowboy coffee is ready, the coffee on the trail? How do you know when it's ready? When your spoon stands up straight up in the cup. Almost, almost. Do you know when you throw a horseshoe in? If the horseshoe sinks, the coffee isn't ready. (laughs) That would never be ready for me if you threw a horseshoe in it. Can you imagine? You get the coffee grounds to settle. If you want your coffee to settle, you pour a cup of cold water in it and then uh, into your coffee grounds, like you know, you cook the coffee and it's all mixed together without no percolator or nothing. Pour a cup of cold water on the top and all the grounds will sink to the bottom so that way everybody doesn't get coffee grounds. Uh huh. Wow. Sounds like you know your frontier, your frontier coffee, huh? Uh huh. <laughs> uh, I've been out cooking coffee many times like that, and, and some other lady taught me that. And she came up and she goes, you know, if you don't want to have grounds in your cup, just pour a cup of cold water in it. I'm like, I'm going to get some cold water right now to try it. I did it right in front of her, and she's like, see? And we we drank several cups of coffee afterwards with no grounds in it. It works. Well, that's, yeah, that's great. That's actually a really good idea. So see all the things that we're learning tonight. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very well, nice program, Nancy. You did great. Yeah, well, you good. Yeah, you know, this was my first time out, and I was having to figure out, without Yvonne here, I, I'm in her, her program, so I'm learning how to work the computer and take the calls and manage everything, and it's been it's been pretty pretty exciting night. And um, I was really pleased because my daughter was so excited that I was going to be doing the show myself for the first time that she made me my chocolate almond bars. I actually have the oh. recipe with that on YouTube, and she made those to celebrate. So in a couple of minutes here, before we, uh, when we sign off, guess what I'm going to be having? <laughs> mm. <laughs> almond bars. Chocolate almond bars. Yeah, it's, it's going to be really great. Um, let we'll me finish right up over. here. That's true. It's true. I wish, actually, I wish you all could come over and share them with me because it's a lot more fun in person. And all of you oh, yeah. have made my show tonight just such a joy and i'm really happy to share these things with you and i can't tell you how how grateful and pleased i am that you would call in out of your evening and chat with me for an hour or so um it's it's just wonderful and so i wanted to thank you all very much for doing that i've got about i'm looking at my clock now i've only got another minute or two so um well we were just talking, since my recipes aren't from the trail, I do hope that you and other people who are listening look them up on my YouTube channel, which is Nancy Quinn, Life in the Modern West, and see the original recipes and the baking demonstrations. You know that somebody or something always kind of turns up there. You never know. Of course, at my door or the window. or um, <laughs> You never know who's going to show up. And be sure and tell your friends, too, about the books and 
for those of you listening, um, the, my, my recipes are also found in my books, Go West Young Woman and Stay West Young Woman, and they are available in bookstores and online. I also have signed copies, and you can contact me through my website, which is quinnwildlifeart.com. All the links that you want are available on that site. You know, I'm, I'm really much obliged to all of you for indulging in your pioneer spirit and visiting with me here tonight on the mountain. My family, my, my horses, my penny pup, we all send along <laughs> our very best to you and hope you join us again. You know, the next show will be in May on Wednesday, May 8th, uh, same time, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Mountain. So invite your friends and your loved ones to come west for us for an hour. And until then, I wish you all good things. So James and Randall and Cherokee Wolf and Vicki and Brian, who was here, I think he had to go. But thank you so much for calling in tonight and chatting with me. So Thank you for your time. Oh, thanks thanks so much. So um, I will just say good night, good night from the West. Good night, Sweet Rob. Dreams, I'm Nancy. Nancy. Take good care. Okay. <laughs> Bye-bye, and thanks so much. Good night. Bye-bye. Good night. Good night. Thank you. Appreciate it.